because Elvis came knocking on our door this morning. And I wanted just to let you know that we, um, <clears throat> we had to deal with Elvis. Elvis is not dead. I was uh, getting up from my, my chair. I just uh, closed my Bible <clears throat> and finished uh, praying. <clears throat> Excuse me. Almost swallowed a Tic Tac. One time I was preaching with a Tic Tac in my mouth, <clears throat> and it shot out. Now, I'm going to show you how in the spirit I was. I caught it. I caught it right there. I mean, it was, it was awesome. I was, and wah, out it went. And I mean, it was just like, put it right back in my mouth and never missed a beat. But anyway, I stood up uh, this morning from my chair, and all of a sudden, you know, we have a lot of dogs. All of a sudden, my, my dogs started scratching on the front door and barking. And they usually don't scratch on the door. They'll bark, but they don't scratch the door. And you know, dogs are supernatural in the way they can smell things and hear things. So I thought, I said, Ollie, what's the matter with you? And I opened up the front door, and in walked Elvis, a Jack Russell Terrier. I knew not. I don't know where he came from. Well, I know now. I didn't know this dog. He was sitting at my front door. And when I opened the door, he just came walking in, made himself at home, went straight to the dog food. I told Kathy, I'm, I'm getting a reputation in our neighborhood as a dog lover. So when they lose their, their bearings, they know where to go. She says, I'm a dog magnet. So we found out where Elvis was from, a little black and white. Jack Russell Terrier, like what used to be on uh, Frazier, and uh, found his owners, took the dog over to the owners. They didn't answer the door, had to take the dog back home, call the owners. We figured they had a really rough night and weren't even hearing the doorbell, and Elvis got out. Well, on the way here, finally, they called and said, do you have Elvis? And my son said, we've got Elvis. So you never know who's going to visit your house. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, I know now Elvis is not dead. No, I looked at his little dog tag, and it was, it was Elvis. All right. Ephesians 5.18. I want to finish this series today on power for the hour. And I'm going to call this today, How to Fill Your Tank. How to Fill Your Tank. And I want to talk to you about being spirit-filled. How to walk in the spirit every day. This is what we have got to learn. We're either going to walk in the flesh, or we're going to walk in the spirit. Now, let's read Ephesians 5.18. Don't be drunk with wine, <clears throat> in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Now look at verse 19. Here comes the results of being filled with the Spirit. Speaking. Can everybody say speaking? speaking. To one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Verse 20, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So I want you to notice, if you're filled with the Spirit, it's going to affect your speaking, your singing, and your thanking. All right? Father, we thank you for your word today. I pray that this church is moved to a level of walking in the Spirit we have never known. Not just here and there, not sporadically, but every day we walk in the Spirit. I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Will you breathe a prayer and say, Lord, speak to my heart. I receive your word. 
Amen. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, perk up and listen, you're going to need this tomorrow. <clears throat> I'm chewing my Tic Tacs real quick because sure as I tell that story, I'm going to shoot one out of my mouth when I'm talking to you. <laughs> oh, okay. We've been talking the last few weeks about the power of the Holy Spirit, the greatest gift we've ever received ever is the gift of the Holy Spirit once you're saved. Jesus gave the Holy Spirit for power. I am a debtor to the power of the Holy Spirit. It is the power of the Holy Spirit that changed my life. It's the power of the Holy Spirit, the experiences that I've had with the Spirit of God. And we've got to understand that the Spirit of God is a person who has come to live inside of us who has come to fellowship with us, to uh, stand alongside us in the trials and the testings of life. The very Greek word for Holy Spirit is parakletos, one called to stand alongside. You don't see him, but you feel him. You don't see the wind, but you see the wind blowing the trees. You don't see him, but you see the influence that he has. You wouldn't be here today if it were not for the ministry of the Holy Spirit. You wouldn't be sitting in church on a Sunday morning in Fort Worth, Texas with weather like this if the Holy Spirit had not touched your heart. When we came to Christ Jesus and said, forgive me, immediately the Holy Spirit came to live inside of us. And that parakletos, that one call to stand alongside, is there to commune with you, fellowship with you, guide you, teach you open the Word to you, speak to you, keep you pure. He's there forever. He's never going to go away. And though you don't see Him, you see the influence that He has. And we're seeing the influence all the time that the Holy Spirit has on people. I believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ, and I believe in the Spirit of God that accompanies that gospel. I know that it changes lives. Now, I want to talk to you now, I just want to get practical, because let me tell you something. If Christianity doesn't work for me Monday through Saturday, what good is it? If Christianity is, is only a Sunday morning deal, what good is it? If Christianity does not really set me free, bring me peace, bring me joy, change my life, if Christianity does not produce any fruit, what good is it? If it doesn't help me on Monday morning in rush hour traffic when I'm surrounded by sinners and dirty jokes and the filth of this world, if it doesn't help me, if it doesn't strengthen me, if it doesn't carry me, if it doesn't bring me victory or bring anything advantageous to my life, what good is it? Because I'm not looking for a religion, and I don't think you are either. I'm looking for a lifestyle. I'm looking for a relationship. I'm looking for something that will change my life. And I'm here today to tell you that that was all given to us when God gave the Holy Spirit. He gave the Holy Spirit to empower us to do what we could never do on our own. He gave us the Holy Spirit to be able to live a level of righteousness. We would never have been able to live on our own. The Christian life is like uh, owning a car. Once you buy a car, how many of you in here have a car? Matter of fact, get your keys out. Get your keys out of your pocket and out of your purse real quick. Grab your keys and jingle them. I want to see the keys. Come on. Everybody's got keys. Jingle them. <clears throat> here you go. 
The rest of you, you hitchhiked? Let me see. All right. I'm about to give you another key. I'm about to give you another key. I'm going to give you a key to living. The Christian life is just like owning a car. When you bought the car you've got, you understood one fundamental thing about that car. One tank of gas was just the beginning of constant refillings. You understood that, didn't you? That one tank of gas was not going to carry you for the five years you owned that car, right? You understood that. If you didn't understand that, let's have an altar call right now. And I want to pray for you. Because this is really basic 101 elementary, right? You get a car, you know that that first tank of gas is just the beginning of constant refillings or the car is useless. Your Christian life is that way. When you were first touched with the Holy Spirit, that was the first of many constant refillings. Or that Christianity is useless. One tank gets you just so far. You understand that. Gets you a couple hundred miles down the road. When it gets low, we see it, we know it, and we understand that it's got to be refilled or I'm going to be on the side of the road. Yet we so often as believers don't recognize when our spiritual tank is low and we don't refill it. We assume, well, I was touched last year and that's carrying me. No, no. The Bible says be being filled continuously with the Holy Spirit or you're going to run out of gas. And when you run out of gas, all kinds of bad things happen. The Christian life is the same way as owning a car. One filling of the Spirit will not get you as far as you need to go. Then you, you're going to have to, if you don't get refilled continuously, then we're going to get a call one day that you're over on the side of the road and you need to be towed. I get those calls all the time. Hey, how you doing? Oh, Pastor Jeff, I've just had the devil's after me. Well, I know the devil's after you, but greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. See, I see Christians run out of gas and end up on the side of the road all the time. And that's not anybody's fault, but yours and mine. Because you see, you're the keeper of your flame. You're the keeper of the gas tank. You are the one who has got to refill it. If you're looking to me to do it on Sunday, and you think it's going to carry you Monday through Saturday, you're wrong. I, I, I try to preach good, but I don't preach that good. You're going to have to learn to refill your tank every single day. You're going to have to refill your tank or you're going to run out of gas. And when that happens, you're going, to want, you're going to experience depression. You're going to experience feeling tired all the time. You're going to be defeated by the devil at every turn. You're going to wonder where Christianity is really helping you and why it's not helping you more. See, there are Christians in churches all over the country today who are becoming less Christian every week because they're not refilling their tank. They're not spending time with God. They're assuming that everything is just going to be okay if they get out of bed on a Sunday morning and make it to church a couple times a month. That's not going to carry you. That's not the message of the Bible. Be being filled with the Spirit of God every day. Every day. Can you say with me, every day? If you don't do it, you're going to pay a price. If you don't do it, you're going to pay a price. You're not going to bear fruit like God wants you to. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, meekness, kindness, and faith. Where does that fruit come from? It comes from walking in the Spirit, abiding 
in the vine. If I don't abide in the vine by walking in the Spirit, I'm not going to produce any fruit. So I got to walk in the Spirit every day. Say with me again, every day. Every day. And you've got to learn to do it. If you don't learn to do it, it's not going to get done. Now, how do you walk in the Spirit? How do you refill that tank every day? How many of you want to walk in the Spirit? Am I talking to people who, who care about this? Let me say, give me a wave now. All right. Now watch this. How do I walk in the Spirit every day? The first thing you've got to do is set your mind. Set your mind on the things of the Spirit. Set your mind. I want you to listen to a key. I'm going to put another key on that ring. Here it is in Romans 8, 5. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. Now I want to pluck that phrase out of there, set their minds. Watch this. If you're going to walk in the flesh, here's what you're going to be doing. If you're walking in the flesh, here is what you are doing. You're setting your mind on the things of the flesh. See, there is a powerful truth here. This is a key to living. It's a key to spirit-filled living. When we get up in the morning, we've got to learn to set our thoughts, set our minds. If we don't set our minds on the things of the spirit, our minds are going to be set for us. Because we live in a dirty, filthy, backslidden, God-mocking world. And if you don't set your mind on the things of the Spirit, then the world will set your mind on the things of the flesh for you. Notice the key. If I'm going to live according to the Spirit, following after the Spirit, walking in the power of the Spirit, I've got to set my mind on the things of the Spirit. Now listen to what it says will happen if my mind is on the things of the Spirit. To set the mind on the things of the flesh leads to death. But to set the mind on the things of the Spirit is life and peace. If I set my mind on the things of the Spirit every day, it leads to life and peace. Now, I don't know about you. I love peace and I love life. What this is actually saying is to set your thoughts, your mind on the things of the Spirit every morning, every day, is to assure that you will have the energy of the Spirit's life filling you. And you will walk in peace no matter what's happening around you. See, you don't get peace by th things being peaceful externally. Because you can have things peaceful externally and be in turmoil internally. But you can have peace on the inside. It doesn't matter what's going on around here. Out here externally, it doesn't matter because you've got peace on the inside. Now, this thing of setting your mind is an unalterable law of life. It's a law of life, just like gravity. Guaranteed, if I let this go, it's fallen. If I set my mind on the things of the Spirit, I'm going to have life and peace. I'm going to have life and peace. It's an unalterable law of life. Every day I've got to choose what my mind is going to dwell on. This is a great key. Because you see, a lot of believers wonder, how come I don't sense the Spirit? How come I have no peace? How come I just feel uh, 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 troubled and, and disturbed and, and I'm fighting all these battles? And how come I just don't seem to be growing in God? But if you stop and look at what your mind is on all day, every day, the mystery goes away. 
It's not a mystery at all. Garbage in, garbage out. Life in, life out. It's like the captain of a ship. Before he sets sail into the deep blue, he charts his course with a map and a compass. He decides which direction his ship will sail. And I'm telling you, the Bible says if we're going to walk filled with the Spirit, the first thing you got to do is set your mind. Can you say with me, set my mind? This is so key. If you get up and you flip on that TV and you watch Good Morning America or Today and you fill your mind with those worldly thoughts and those worldly philosophies and worldly values and secular, ungodly, godless, God-hating people, if you listen to that before you walk out the door, is it really a mystery that you're not filled with the Spirit? When you and I wake up, we've got to choose every single day. What is my mind going to be on? Have you ever noticed when you wake up, there's an immediate battle for what's on your mind? Have you ever noticed that? You wake up and all kinds of things rush in you like into your mind like galloping horses. Worries and fears and issues of life and all this stuff rush in. And you've got a choice. You've got a choice. What you're going to think about. Something dominates everybody's day. Scripture gives us excellent guidelines for what to think about. I want you to listen to this now. Paul in Philippians 4.8, he, he knew the value of what you think about. It matters what you think about. You aren't what you eat. You are what you think. Philippians 4.8 says, and now brothers, fix your thoughts. Boy, what a great phrase. Fix your thoughts on what is true and good and right Think about things that are pure and lovely and dwell on the fine, good things in others. Do you hear those little phrases? Fix your thoughts. Think about. Dwell on. In a fallen, dirty world, if we're going to think about and dwell on what is pure, just, true, and so on, we've got to learn to control something. And I'm going to just take this a little deeper now. We've got to learn to control what I want to call the doorways to our soul or the doorways to our mind. And here's what the doorways are, the eye gate, the ear gate, and the mouth gate. Now, I'm going to deal with the eye gate and the ear gate first because the mouth gate has to do with what comes out, eye gate and ear gate with what goes in. But if we're going to Fix our thoughts on what is true, honest, just, pure, lovely, and of good report. If there's any virtue and any praise, if we're going to think on those things, you're going to have to take charge of the eye gate and the ear gate and the mouth gate. We've got to learn to feed the Spirit of God within us by looking at and listening to and saying what is agreeable to him. Now, there's, there's nothing complex about this. You know, Kathy and I, we go places together all the time. And I learned a long, long time ago, there's certain things that I can say or shouldn't say, or she's going to get mad at me or bugged with me, or she's going to smile and, and be glad she's with me. So I've learned to say some things and not say some other things. How many of you are married more than a week and have found this to be true? <laughs> so when Kathy and I are going to go somewhere together, I already know what would grieve her or what would make her happy. And so we go somewhere and we talk about the things of God. We talk about good things. If we can tell the conversation is going south, we change it. And I know what would grieve her. I know her well enough to know what blesses her, what makes her happy, and what doesn't. And vice versa. 
It's the same thing with walking with the Holy Spirit. You learn what is going to grieve him, what is going to vex him, or what is going to make him flood you with peace. You learn what is agreeable with him. That's why it says, grieve not the Holy Spirit, whereby you're sealed to the day of redemption. A lot of people are walking around as believers, grieving the Holy Spirit all day long and don't even know it. Don't even know it. If when you wake up, you immediately set your mind on all the problems, the stresses, and the worries, and the cares, and the issues of life, you're allowing the enemy to dump sand into your gas tank. When Abraham died, when Abraham died, the Philistines poured dirt into all the water wells that he had dug. Genesis talks about this. When he had died, they went and they filled the water wells, which were hugely valuable, And they are a picture of the well of water of spiritual life that is inside of you and me. Their tactic, and Philistines are always a picture of the devil, their tactic was to pour dirt in the well. And so Isaac had to come along and redig the wells that Abraham, his father, had dug so that the water could freely flow again. Now I want you to hear me. Through the eye gate and the ear gate, the enemy's tactic, if he can't stop you from being saved, He'll turn his attention to hindering your being spirit-filled. He doesn't want spirit-filled believers because spirit-filled believers are a danger to him. Spirit-filled believers win people to Christ. They glorify Jesus. They witness. They bear fruit. They become billboards for God. So if he can't stop you from the cross, he'll do everything he can to hinder you from being spirit-filled. And how's he do it? He pours spiritual dirt into your mind through the ear gate and the eye gate and the mouth gate. Because the eyes, for instance, are a gateway to the mind, it's important what you do and you don't look at. How many of you know that's true? Because they are a gateway to the mind. It's important what your eyes, and who's in charge of your eyes? You are. There isn't anybody else in charge of your eyes but you. And God gave us eyelids so that we can do what? Close them. (laughs) Scripture gives vivid illustrations on this whole issue of eyes. Watch this. Lot's wife was told not to look at, it all had to do with sight, not to look at Sodom and Gomorrah as they were destroyed. But she couldn't help herself. She turned around, she looked back. And when she looked back and focused on the wrong thing, she was transformed into something God did not intend. And watch this. She was in pursuit of God. The angels were leading them to a whole new day and a new vista in their life. And when she turned around and focused on the wrong thing, it froze her from being able to pursue God another step. It matters what you look at. In our culture, I'm going to tell you now, there are things you can look at that will transform you into something God did not intend. Kathy and I, it's unbelievable. Last night, I mean, the devil doesn't want me talking about being filled with the Spirit. And I mean that. I can't tell you the different attacks that have come against us uh, When I started preaching this series on the Holy Spirit, he didn't want a bunch of Spirit-filled believers going over to I-35, shining with the light and the glory of Christ. He didn't want that. But now watch this. Last night, every Saturday night, we go to the P.O. Box, the P.O. Box of the church, and 
see if anything has been sent. And we were headed home, and, and boy, right in front of us comes this man running across the street. He almost got hit by two cars. He had no shirt on. He seemed crazy. He runs across the street. I said, Kathy, good grief. He almost got hit right in front of us. They had to slam on their brakes. They're honking. He didn't care. He runs over, and he runs up to a Whataburger. And in the Whataburger is another man who is holding the door so that this man can't get in. And I see people in there. They're eating, but now they've stopped. We're looking from the road through the glass. And this man's pulled this door open. It slammed him in the head. He didn't care. He ran in, and we watched, and he just began to pummel this man. And they began to fight in front of us. Blood started flying everywhere. We got on the phone and called the police, along with about 300 other people. We see these patrons of uh, Whataburger jumping up, running away, leaving everything the way it was. These guys are getting after it, beating each other half to death. It was a bloody, unbelievable mess. Satan all over the place. Obviously, drugs were involved. You could tell that they were under the influence of something. And I thought, when I walked up and looked through the windows and looked at all the blood, even looking at all that blood, the violence of that blood affected my soul. This was violence. Violence. In our culture, there's all kinds of things you should not look at. If you do, you will be transformed. You need to keep that in mind. Now, conversely, when the people were dying in the wilderness by snake bite because they had been grumbling and murmuring against God, God instructed Moses to make a serpent of bronze, place it on a pole. God told Moses these words, it shall be that everyone who is bitten when he looks at it shall live. And so they made this bronze serpent, put it on a pole, held it up, and everybody who was dying of snake bite looked at it, and when they looked at it, they were healed. There are things you can look at and be destroyed, and there are things you can look at and be healed. That bronze serpent was a foreshadowing of the cross, that Jesus became sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. He took our sins and iniquities and was judged for our sin. That's the serpent on the pole, and when you look at him, you're healed. Look and die or look and live. That's the choice before all of us every single day. And if you want to walk in the Holy Spirit, you got to look at the things that are going to help you to live. Anybody hearing me today? It matters what you look at. Now, the ear gate, the ear gate is just as important. What you listen to can decide whether you're going to walk in the Spirit any given day. What you listen to will decide whether or not you walk in the Spirit that day. If we turn our ears to gossip, slander, filthy conversation, and so on, we're making a bad trade. Here's the trade. Life and peace for a spoonful of ear candy. You can listen to negative. You can listen to positive. Since God didn't give us ear lids like he gave us eyelids, sometimes you know what you got to do? Just get up and walk away. Just get up and walk away, Christian. Get up and walk away, spirit-filled saint of God, because there are some things you can hear and subject your ears to, and if you listen to them, you will not be walking in the spirit when you walk away from that conversation, because that conversation is grieving the Holy Spirit of God within you. 
The older I get, I'm going to tell you, the less I want to be around negative people who spout negative things. There are people, listen, there's balcony people and basement people. Basement people always want to bring you down to where they are. So you get around them and they bop, 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 and they gossip and they slander and they criticize everything that moves. Nothing's right, everything's wrong. If you've got half right and half wrong, they'll pick the wrong and make it all wrong and never talk about the right because basically and fundamentally they are negative, critical people. Let me tell you something. Negative, critical people will not enjoy a spirit-filled life. They will not enjoy a spirit-filled life. And sometimes you can be around a group and that group think begins to go to stink. And what you got in that group is that group goes south and it's group think and everybody in the group is getting negative. Everybody in the group is being critical. You better get out of that group, sir. You better get out of that group, ma'am, because what will happen is you will lose your spirit-filled walk for a spoonful of ear candy. Amen. Good preaching, Pastor Jeff. I'm getting this CD. I try to place myself around people and places that will speak positive things that are true and honest, just and pure and of good report. I want to get around people who are going to give me a good report. I don't want to listen to a bunch of negative tripe. I don't have time for that. I'm pursuing God. Am I doing it perfectly? No. Am I doing it genuinely? Yes. And I want what he's got for me. Let's don't forget, everybody, an entire generation of people missed the promised land because of what they heard. They heard a bad report, and it ruined the destiny of God for their life. I don't try to be around people who are only positive because I'm so holy, but I'm around them because I can't afford to be brought down. I'm doing a great work. I cannot come down and listen to a bunch of negative people. So you will define yourself by not only what you say, what comes out of your mouth, and I'm going to talk about that in a minute, but by what you listen to. You will be defined by what you listen to. Do you want to be spirit-filled tomorrow? All right? First thing in the morning, set your mind. Set your mind. Set your mind on the things of the Spirit. Turn to the Word of God. Here you go. You know what this is? Unleaded supreme. Right here. If you want your spiritual gas tank filled with fuel that will carry you on your journey victoriously and successfully, here it is, unleaded supreme, and it is not subject to changing prices. It's free. Listen to praise music. Turn your ears to praise music and positive words. That's high-octane energy for your spiritual journey. Kathy and I recently, we got a praise tape, a praise CD, and I'm telling you, I can't tell you the difference. When that stupid idiot box called a television is turned off, and I walk into the living room, and there that praise music is filling our living room, it changes the whole atmosphere of that household. Sometimes you got to realize that television is a devil box. Very little of worth watching or listening is coming over that thing anymore. I told Kathy, if I was single... And, and, and 18 again, I'd chunk that thing out the door and leave it there. Nothing good is coming over except sports every once in a while and the Cowboys. <laughs> but aside from that, it's been taken over by the devil. 
Why watch it? Why watch it? Are you all with me now? Can you stand one more? Let's talk about the mouth gate because we want to walk in the Spirit. And I'm not just telling you what's wrong. I'm telling you what's right. Turn your eyes to the Word of God and you will live. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, look unto Him and you will live. Turn your eyes away from what kills you and turn your eyes onto what gives you life. Now we come to the mouth gate. To be Spirit-filled on any given day, you're going to have to turn your tongue towards Spirit-filled words. I want you to listen to what the Bible says. Paul says that Spirit-filled living affects the mouth gate every time. Show me somebody Spirit-filled. And I'll show you somebody moving in one of these three things, speaking to others the Word of God, psalms, hymns, spiritual psalms, singing and making melody in their heart to the Lord, and thanking God, not complaining. He said, be filled with the Spirit. Then he immediately connects the next word, be filled with the Spirit, speaking. Be filled with the Spirit, speaking. So being filled with the Spirit shows in what you say. Speaking to others the Word of God, positive things, uplifting things that edify. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. If you even make a joyful noise, God loves it. I'm no singer. Lord, I sang in some service recently, and it went over the radio, and I heard it the other day. And I said, oh, Kathy, turn it off. And if I ever start to sing again jump up and grab me. She said, it didn't sound that bad. I said, where I was, it sounded like cats screaming. I'm called to preach. Steve's called to sing. We'll leave it right there. But when I sing to the Lord, he doesn't care. It's a joyful noise to him, and I make melody in my heart to the Lord. But I want you to notice now that, that being filled with the Spirit affects your talk. It affects what comes out of your mouth. I cannot stress to you enough the importance of the mouth gate. Jesus said these words, listen and understand what goes into a man's mouth does not make him unclean, but what comes out of his mouth, that is what makes him unclean. The things that come out of the mouth in words come from the heart, and these make a man unclean, for out of the heart come evil thoughts, adultery, murder, theft, sexual immorality, false testimony, slander. These come out of the heart, and the mouth is the gate. The mouth is the gateway from the heart. These are what makes a man unclean. Now, watch this. Let's flip the coin. If wrong words can make me unclean, right words can make me clean. Did you know the tongue is mentioned 129 times in the Bible? 129 times. I pulled just a few words, adjectives, that the Bible adds to the tongue. Here's a few adjectives. The Bible talks about a smooth tongue. I heard a preacher say recently, some of you are driving cars around you can't make payments on because of a smooth-talking salesman. There's a smooth tongue. The Bible talks about a poisonous tongue, a lying tongue, a loose tongue, a double tongue, a deceitful tongue, a false tongue, an evil tongue, and a dumb tongue tongue. One World War II poster said, careless talk costs lives. Loose lips sink ships. And we are not to be involved in that. 
James said, some of you, talking to believers, he said, some of you, out of the same mouth proceeds blessing and cursing. One minute you're praising Almighty God with your tongue, and the next minute you're cursing a man. He said, these things ought not so to be. You ought to get charge of the mouth gate, because guess what? Here's the price you pay. If you don't take charge of the mouth gate, you will not be spirit-filled that day. So as soon as you start going south with your tongue, stop and say, now wait a minute. Do I want to lose my spirit-filled walk today? Do I, want to, do I want to forfeit the presence of God in my life so that I can say a few things right now that I should not say? Death and life are in the power of the tongue. All these negative uses that I just named assure that if you do them, you will not enjoy a spirit-filled life. This is why a lot of believers are not spirit-filled because of their tongue. Paul connected being filled with the Spirit to the tongue, just like I shared with you a moment ago. Be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, singing to the Lord, thanking God the Father for all things. Now, which comes first, the chicken or the egg? Do I speak myself into being spirit-filled, or do I speak like this because I'm spirit-filled? Which is it? Well, both are true. Both are true. I'll never maintain a spirit-filled day if my tongue goes south And part of setting my mind to walk in the Spirit that day is to say the right things. Are you blessing people or cursing them? Do you criticize all the time or do you bless people? Kathy and I know a lot of people. We know one woman in our whole life who we've never heard say a critical word about anybody. Sometimes you almost want to make her do it. Hey, what about so-and-so? Just so maybe she'll once slip. But she'll, oh, you know, they're just trying and she won't do it makes you feel terrible about yourself (laughs) but see you can be critical you can be judgmental you can be pharisaical you can be a gossip a slander you can just tear things down all the time pick apart everything that's wrong and you'll always find something wrong because we're in an imperfect church full of full of imperfect people struggling just like you isn't anything perfect going to come out of here or any church, but genuineness will, and success through God will, and spiritual results will, but not perfect, not perfection. God's called us to get a hold of our ear gate, eye gate, and mouth gate. You and I are as spirit-filled as we want to be. How spirit-filled do you want to be? You're as spirit-filled as you want to be. It has nothing to do with God coming up and moving somebody to lay hands on you where you get zapped and you fall to the ground and you've had an experience. You're as spiritual as you want to be every day. You can be saved and carnally minded at the same time. Or you can be saved and spiritually reminded or uh, spiritually minded resulting in life and peace. I can walk in life and peace or I can walk in the flesh. To be spiritually minded, we've got to control the eye gate the ear gate, and the mouth gate, turning them towards the things the Spirit of God can amen and agree with. What kind of day do you want to have tomorrow? A day of life and peace? A day of frustration, worry, and defeat? It's up to you. So when you wake up in the morning, take care of the eye gate and open up the Word. And let it go into your mind. And set your mind. Then, turn on some praise music or some good preaching. Get one of my CDs and put them on. 
Listen to the Word. Get the Word on Bible. Put it on. Get the ear gate where your mind is being set on spiritual things. Set the compass due north, headed towards heaven. And then watch your tongue. Watch your tongue. Pray for people. Bless them. Don't gossip. Don't slander. Don't talk about meaningless nothings. And you know what you'll begin to experience? Life and peace. Walking in the power of the Spirit. Can we stand together today? I, I can't tell you how I'm praying for this for all of us. How many of you needed this today? Did you need this today? Lord, we pray, help us with the eye gate and the ear gate and the mouth gate. Help us, Lord, to watch that tongue. Help us to walk away from things we don't need to hear and to close our eyes to things we don't need to see. But, Lord, on the flip side, help us to seek out and find and enjoy what we ought to hear and what we ought to see and what we ought to say. And Lord, I thank you for it in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, will you take a minute as Steve plays and leads us in a worship song before we go? Would you pray and say, Lord, I give you the eyes, I give you the ears, and I give you my tongue. Help me to put it under the charge of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Mm -hmm.